Welcome to Get Over the Consciousness Transforming Podcast for Exceptional 21st Century Living. Guys, we've got a great show today. Edward Bruce Bynum is back. That's Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum. And we're going to talk about another one of his books, and that is Dark Light Consciousness, Melanin, Serpent Power, and the Luminous Matrix of Reality. This guy goes deep, folks. So if you're truly interested in some deep spirituality combined with a little bit of history and a lot of psychology to figure out who you are, this is definitely the show for you. Now, the information shared on Get Over It uses intuitive and pragmatic insight to help you shift your consciousness to break through the blocks and release energy that is no longer needed. Yes, we're going to help you let go of the BS that is holding you back. But you guys know I always ask, are you truly ready to? And by the way, folks, BS is belief system. A bit about me for my new listeners, Intuitive Since Birth. I'm a third-generation intuitive with over three decades of experience supporting people to break through the blocks along their path. I'm a strategist for personal and professional transformation, revealing cutting-edge information that enables you to prosper and thrive. I spent 25 successful years in corporate America as an executive sales professional, and I'm the founder of Healing Visions Ministries and the Northern California Children's Education Network, a 501c3 nonprofit. I provide consultations and healings in all areas of life that heal the mind-body-spirit connection, allowing you to live your very best life. My clients tell me that I keep it real while providing them accurate information to assist them along their journey as a spirit living a human existence. But they also say, if you really don't want to know, don't ask Monique. My background includes a doctorate in metaphysics, Reiki master teacher, ordained minister, and clinical hypnotherapist. So whether you are stressed, depressed, or possessed, I can help. To find out more about me and the services I offer, go to my website, that's MoniqueChapman.com, and I invite you to like me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and tell your friends. My guest today, <coughs> excuse me, Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum is a clinical psychologist and director of behavioral medicine at the University of Massachusetts Health Services in Amherst. He's a student of the divine, and he is also winner of the Abraham H. Maslow Award from the American Psychological Association. And he has written several books. And today we're talking about his book, Dark Light, Consciousness, Melanin, Serpent Power, and the Luminous Matrix of Reality. Welcome back, Dr. Bruce and <laughs> Dr. Edward. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be back, Monique, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, people are, uh, are excited and feel uh, open and um, will ask some challenging questions because I certainly have been challenged in this work myself. Okay, well, you know, your um, our first show that we did together on your book, Our African Unconsciousness, uh, was very, very well received. People seem to be very interested in it. And a lot of people uh, contacted me and said that it took a different spin. It opened their eyes to something new. Now you've written um, The Dark Light of Consciousness. Why this book? Why now? Well, like many of your... Uh... Uh, 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 fellow uh, seekers and, and folks tuning into this show, I have uh, been interested not only in uh, serious spirituality for, for quite a while, ever since I was a kid, really, mm -hmm. but also uh, interested in it uh, and, and its basis in science and particularly biology and medicine. Uh, you know, when I was in uh, um, 
a, a young kid growing up in Southern California, in LA, actually, um, I uh, would attend church with my uh, family, and uh, I was even an altar boy for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I left the church, but I never left spirituality. And I uh, uh, studied in the academy for obviously for decades, and even went through uh, college and graduate school. Um, but I always wondered what was the real physical, medical, biological basis of spirituality, because it's real, obviously it's real, and everybody on the planet Earth, unless they are in deep denial, feels something about it. So what is its basis actually in our physical bodies? And so I began studying this in graduate school and after graduate school, particularly I started studying um, what makes up our physical bodies, particularly our nervous systems. And I found out that there are certain aspects of our nervous system that, as they say, in every branch of spiritual exploration is associated and attracted to light. You know, one of the earliest phenomena in any spiritual experience is the experience of light, literally mm-hmm. light itself. Mm-hmm. And also it turns out that there are aspects of our nervous system, beginning in embryogenesis, the journey in our mother's womb, that are attracted to light. And so I began studying this and what are some of the physiological components of it. And I came across the the striking uh, fact that there are certain biochemical aspects of us that respond to light, that are uh, uh, attracted to it, and that unfold light in more and more complex ways. And so I studied that and, and I wrote that in this book. It's, it's neuromelanin, not the melanin on the surface of the skin, but the melanin in our brains, which is the same for everybody. Uh, I should say all branches of the family and the human family. And this neuromelanin literally attracts quanta. It attracts light. Not only does it attract light, but it transduces it. It changes light into more complex forms. Um, And it's in the human nervous system. In fact, it's in the nervous system of all mammals. But one of the most interesting aspects of this that I found uh, was that of all the animals on our planet, those are the most neuromelanin in their brain, stem, and brain uh-huh. are the uh, uh, mammals. Okay. And of all the mammals, the ones that have the most are the primates. And among the primates, the ones that have the deepest concentration are the great apes chimpanzees, gorillas, and so forth. And Uh the only one, the only one with even more neuromelanin in their spinal cord, surface of their brain, interior of the brain, is us, homo sapiens sapiens, thinking man. Now that's a pretty tight correlation. And it it testifies to the fact that not only is the brain dark, I mean, your listeners should, I'm I'm sure know that the brain is, is, is a, dark gray to black colored substance. And it's not because it has contact with the sun. It's because it internally absorbs light and it transduces light to more and more complex uh, expressions in evolution. And I saw that as directly connected to our evolutionary adventure here on earth as, uh, as luminous beings. And so that is what this book is about. And I go into considerable medical and biological detail, maybe too much for some people, but I, I wanted to 
I wanted to firmly establish that there is a clear biological, medical, psychoneurotic, psychological, and healthy basis for spirituality. It doesn't mean that spirituality doesn't get complicated, but it means mm-hmm. that spirituality is real. It's not an illusion, you know, it's quite real. And uh, it is no wonder that uh, our, the first organized ways of knowing things on earth, in other words, our first sciences were the spiritual sciences. So that's what this book, Dark Light, is about. Literally the dark light of our brains and our nervous system. You know, 93% of the known, I should say it's not even known, 93% of the universe is made up of some mysterious substance called dark matter. Uh Cold, dark matter. And that cold, dark matter that comprises 93% of the universe finds its own expression in our own brains, the dark matter of our own brains. So that's, and that dark matter is actually light itself. In a, in a complex expression. And so that is the correlation between the outer universe of the stars and the constellations and the inner universe of our own brains, sort of a neurocosmology, a neurospirituality, if you want to. And it's applicable and underlies all the diverse religious practices of our species on the planet, from the Taoists mm-hmm. to those who practice yoga, to the Christian mystics, to the uh, Sufis of the Islamic tradition, to the prophets of the Hebrew tradition, all talk about and express light. So as did the Mayans, as did the West Africans, as did the Zoroastrians. So it is literally the, the, the alphabet, it is literally the nervous system, it is literally the biology of our psycho-spiritual experience, which is real, fundamental, and is with us from the beginning of our life, which is before the womb, and is with mm-hmm. us in some form after we are physically dead. Because you know, human beings don't become all of a sudden conscious when they're born. No, you're, you're, you're conscious for some time in your mother's womb before you're mm-hmm. born. Mm-hmm. And we know from near-death experiences by the hundreds of thousands documented in, in uh, hospitals and emergency rooms now, that after a physical clinical death, we are still conscious to some extent. And so we are both conscious and luminous in our awareness before birth, and we're conscious and luminous in our awareness after clinical death. How far this goes on either end, that is an open question. And it's one that all of us are going to know. One way or the yeah, other. One, one point we're all going to know. Yes, and when, I was going to I was going to ask, what about life between, you know, people say life between lives. So when we drop the physical body and putting it in the context of our soul that goes on, does our soul, if you will, become light again? Well, it never ceases to be light. It does, uh-huh. It's always light. It's just that in our embodied physical state, that light is sometimes clouded over. But we never cease to be light. Light is primary. Light is deeper than space and time and matter. In fact, matter itself is really in compactified, concentrated light. All is light. All is light, including you, me, our brains, our bodies, our nervous systems. They're all a form of light. And light is neither created nor destroyed. But as Einstein proved in theory of relativity, 
infinitely transformed. And that is not only the case in nuclear reactors, that is the case in our own blood cells and brains and consciousness. Okay, so talk to us a moment about the serpent within. A lot of people call it kundalini. Um, people have other names for it. How does that right. relate with the melanin and all of our organs and who we are? You know, that's for me, that was one of the uh, leading uh, questions, and uh, I'm still fascinated by it. Uh, you, readers should know that my practice, my own personal spiritual practice is in the area of yoga. And one of the things I noticed is that this Uraeus, the ancient Kemetic indigenous Egyptians uh, refer to it, refer to it as the Uraeus serpent. Mm -hmm. Those in India refer to it as the Kundalini serpent. Uh, South America, the Caribbean, uh, many other different names. But what it has in common is that it is literally a serpentine in shape and it is luminous and it begins at the base and moves upward and spreads out. Well, this is exactly, this is precisely, this is exactly what happens with the neuromelanin concentration of our spinal line in our brain. You know, the surface of the brain again is dark. Mm -hmm. It is dark and it absorbs light. There are critical places within the brain itself that have high concentrations of this neuromelanin. Neuromelanin, the pineal gland is only one. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are many, many, many others. And it just so happens that the surface of our brains are dark. And then as you go down the, the back of the brain, the occipital regions down into the brain stem and so forth, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it turns around and such that the surface of the spinal line, in other words, the nerve, nerve column within the spine is white, but the inner innermost of the spinal column is dark. It's nervous system, it's, 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 it's nervous tissue, T intense, compactified nervous tissue. And it goes all the way down from the surface of the brain, all the way down through the brain stem, all the way down through the spinal cord, all the way down to near the base of the spine. Mm -hmm. And in all of our spiritual traditions, be it Kundalini Yoga, be it the Taoist tradition, be it the Sufi traditions, they all talk about awakening this energy at the base of the spine. It's a serpentine motion and bringing her up. It's always a her, by the way. Bringing oh. her up. Yes. Mm -hmm. In every tradition, it's a female force. Bringing her up all the way to the brain, high regions of the brain, the neocortex, and then beyond. Okay. That is, the, that is the essence of every spiritual practice I'm aware of on the planet Earth. Well, that's true. Because, I mean, you know, the Sanskrit is like the chakra system and, you yes. know, there's other um, terms for other belief systems. But I want to go back to something you said about light in the nervous tissue. So say a person is extremely nervous all the time or they're having breakdowns or even panic attacks. How does all of that enter into what we're talking about today? Well, that's a complicated question because it will depend an awful lot on the situation the person is specifically in. I mean, for uh -huh. some people who have a panic attack or an anxiety attack, their nervous system is uh, is is operating in a way that's pretty unstable, actually, and uh, they, they're having difficulty stabilizing uh, themselves. And it's more of a psychoneurotic or uh, 
that's a clinical term, is more of a, uh, a, a problem, okay, uh-huh. that needs to be resolved through treatment and medication, uh, many other things to do, behavioral treatment. There are lots of ways that are affected. Uh, however, there are other people who have a spontaneous panic, uh, panic attack at the beginning of a spiritual experience. And that is not a problem. That is rather a harbinger of other things to come. And depending on where it, it begins in the nervous system, there are definite pathways or maps that it follows. So it's not a random situation. People think it could be anywhere. No, no, no. There are definite patterns that it takes after that. And um, uh, so if a person is having um, a lot of anxiety attacks, panic attacks, Mm-hmm. Most of the time, most of the time is due to stresses and strains in their life situation of one kind or another, and they should, uh, you know, try to take care of that by, you know, a combination of some personal uh, uh, counseling and relaxation and proper mm-hmm. diet and so on and so forth. And the situation will usually resolve itself. However, it's a, it's a situation associated with actually beginning of a spiritual uh, episode, a spiritual journey. Then you mm-hmm. want to uh, uh, be with a community or get your, find a, an appropriate uh, teacher of your tradition and uh, let them help you understand that and integrate that so that your spiritual process makes sense and there's nothing to be afraid of. It's a beginning of something wondrous. Mm, okay. I, I've got two questions. I don't know which one to ask first, so I'm going to go with the this one that came first. Okay. I'm going to talk ask about drugs for a moment. And I'm talking about the ones that make you hallucinate. How does that interact with the dark matter? Uh, It it has to, Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Oh, it absolutely does. The neuromelanin of the the brain uh, is extremely sensitive uh, to uh, uh, light. And so Mm -hmm. anything that uh, brings on an intense intense amplification of, of experiences of light is going to interact with this. Medication LSD or psilocybin, or uh, there are a number of others, DMT produced by the uh, pineal gland, all of them affect the uh, dark matter, warm dark matter, by the way, of the brain in such a way as that it can create hallucinogenic experiences. Now, some of these experiences are, are insights, transient, but they're still insights into the nature of the deeper and higher levels of consciousness. The only dip, one of the difficulties with the LSD, psilocybin, and, and many of the others is they, they tend to be undisciplined, one, because people just take them for recreational purposes. Mm-hmm. And the other is that the situations that they peer into are often brief or transient. Mm-hmm. And then you come back down, so to speak. Whereas if you move down the path, a spiritual path, be it yoga, be it uh, some other meditative path, be it... Uh, static dance, whatever it might be, uh, depending on your temperament, your culture, your background, and so forth, it tends to create a more disciplined approach to it, such that it doesn't simply wake up and rise, but it can Mm -hmm. wake up, rise, and tend to get stabilized there, so that it doesn't necessarily fall all the way back down again. Okay, because I- More regions, yes. Okay, because I recently had a client- um, contact me and that person did the uh, magic mushrooms and they said, right. Oh, Monique, I saw God. 
<laughs> you know, I'm not afraid to die now. I saw God. And I was like, okay. But I wasn't, I, you know, not that I couldn't get on board with it. I just. Well, that's the I, problem. I, you see, that's one of the problems is how much in a situation like that it, it's you, after the experience is over, not during, but after the experience is over, you can wonder, well, was this created by uh, uh, the substance I took, literally created by the substance I took? Ayahuasca okay. will do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Or was it an opening that the uh, that it allowed me to see something that was already there? And those experiences, you know, under certain disciplines, they're, they're fine. They're transient again, but they're fine. I would recommend, however, the steadier, the longer t- path, which is one of the spiritual uh, discipline and methodology, because it can be replicated without the use of the drugs. Uh-huh. And this, this way, you know that this is you, you're using the methodology to literally kind of clear out the dross and the debris, uh, debris so you can see more clearly. And in this uh-huh. case, meditation and technique they're all uh, they're all kind of forms of detergent. They sort of like mm. clean the lens, so you can see what's really there. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, the, one of the central uh, tenets of, of all of yoga. All of yoga is, uh, and yoga is essentially the uh, restraint of the mind, or the, the quieting of the thought waves, or the ending of the modifications of the mind. What that means essentially is you find a methodology and a technique that helps you slow down the speed of your thoughts so much that you get a glimpse of who's thinking. That makes sense. And you get a a sense of uh, the you that is beyond thoughts. Hmm? Mm, The you that is beyond thoughts. Mm -hmm. The the you that you experience uh, ever so briefly sometimes when you at the very instant of getting a big joke. Mm -hmm. For a split second, you're not really thinking. You're all insight. Okay. Ah, got it. Yeah. It's all insight, you know? Well, Mm -hmm. imagine having moment after moment after moment after moment after moment of sustained insight. You're not necessarily thinking traditional way, but you are conscious but your consciousness is radically different. Okay. That's, that's the, that's the you, that's the us that is deeper and behind our thoughts. Our thoughts are tools. You know, unfortunately, many of us think that we are what we think. We are not what we think. Our our thoughts are tools, hopefully useful tools, but they're tools to help us do things in the world. You know, you, you have, uh, you have two hands, but you are not your hands. Uh-huh. And uh, you have two feet to move around to this and this, but you're not your two feet. And, you know, you're not your senses of your tongue or whatever it is. No, you're something else. You're, you're what knows about that. You're the knower. And so the different meditative techniques, whatever you choose, it works for you. It's designed to quiet the modifications of the mind so that when they're quiet, you get to see where your mind really or whether what you really are when your mind is quiet. Uh The only experience most of us have of this on a regular basis, it's hard to get your your hands on, is when we are in deep sleep without dreaming. Hmm? Uh We are in deep sleep without dreaming. Our only memory of it is that we we felt really kind of good. Yeah. We wake up in the morning 
we have this sense, this seamless sense of, oh, wow, that was very nice. That was very mm -hmm. restful. But you weren't thinking. But you were conscious on some interesting non-verbal, non-cognitive way. You didn't die. Mm -hmm. You just were in a very radically different state of mind. Okay? Well, you're... Okay. Well, your meditative practice will ultimately get you to that place. And I do believe all of us are destined to reach that place as a species. Get to that place where we are conscious and aware, uh, but we're not necessarily thinking in our traditional way. Mm -hmm. We are beings of luminosity, insight, and light, literally. And okay. it, is, it is inherent in our nervous system, in yours and mine's, and everybody who's listening to this program right now. So my second question was, what effect does dark matter have on the energy body or the subtle bottle body? Subtle the, body? Uh, from what I can uh, experience and understand, um, our subtle body is literally an energy body. It, it mm -hmm. surrounds and infuses us uh, with information. And uh, it is literally the, the blueprint, so to speak. Uh, and the body is the actual physical plan. But the information field that surrounds us is kind of like, uh, kind of like the blueprint, and it interacts. That part of our nervous system is very subtle, very uh, associated with energy and with light and with information. It's it's kind of a if you want to use this phrase, it's uh, currently uh, popular. So it's kind of like a biogravitational field. Hmm? It's biological but it also holds us together like gravity holds the constellations and the planets in place together. It's biogravitational field. And it's, it's a subtle, it's luminous, but that doesn't mean you can't interact with it. You can interact with it. You do. Uh, your your, your, your uh, biogravitational field knows illness is coming before you do on a deeper physical level. Very often people will have dreams of becoming ill before they actually get sick. They call, in, in, in the dream uh, literature, they call prodromal dreams. Hmm? Your unconscious okay. picks up that your, some part of your body is having some complication, but it hasn't risen to the level of a discrete symptom yet. Again, prodromal dreams. Uh, they're, they're well known in the cl clinical literature. Uh, so that's, that's an indication of the subtle body. And then as the illness progresses, the subtle body is made uh, intensely aware of it, such that mm -hmm. it, you know, it now hurts. <laughs> so is it when you have that experience, if you are aware of it, can you make changes to not have a, that sickness, that illness? Yes, oftentimes, yes, you can. I know, I know people, uh, this, is quite, this is quite common. They'll mm -hmm. feel themselves getting sick with, say, uh, a cold. And they will, they will tell themselves, no, I am not going to get sick with this. I cannot afford to right now. And, you know, interestingly enough, the cold goes away. Now, what is all likelihood is happening is that that thought and that energy and that intentionality interacts with your immune system, such mm -hmm. that your immune system then becomes physically much more aggressive and active and suppresses that issue. Yes. Now there. Are, yes, I know that there are symptoms in which the immune system is overactivated. I know that, and that takes a different methodology. That takes a methodology of quieting the immune system. Hmm? 
but sometimes you want to activate the immune system. With his recent uh, 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 development of the drugs to uh, medications to fight COVID, mm-hmm. we, we didn't suppress the nervous system. We kicked the nervous system into higher activity. Hmm? That's what, those, what the medications do in their different pathways. They get your nervous system more intelligent and more mm-hmm. focused so they can deal with the uh, COVID invasion. So that's a, that's a case of activating your, your immune system in different kinds of ways. Yes. So most of the time that's there in our immune system, that's, that's its job. That is its job to detect threats to our denser, physically uh, manifest bodies uh, to uh, ward off, fight, adapt to, or uh, eliminate uh, a threat. Interesting. You know, um, I've talked to some people who recently um, got their booster shot, you know, Mm -hmm. actually it's the first booster shot with COVID. And the people who approached it with, I'm taking, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be well, did just fine. The people who approached it with a little bit of fear, Mm -hmm. they're the ones that got sick from the booster, if you will. Yes. Well, as they say in... uh, uh, The literature of, of the Doom uh, uh, series, you know, of movies, uh, fear is the mind killer. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Yeah. And uh, you can be made you can be made ill by what you think. A lot of people are fearful of many of many things. They're so fearful that they stay anxious so much that they wear down their immune system. That is the case of your mind making you sick. Mm. That is that is the basis of what's called psychosomatic medicine in clinical psychology and psychiatry. You can make your mind do things to your immune system in your body that cause illness. Yes, you can, you can. If you can cause the illness, you can affect the cure. I think so in a large percentage of the cases. Not always though, we do Mm -hmm. not, and I want folks to hear that, we do not have complete control over our bodies. We do not, give it up, let the narcissism go. (laughs) Okay, we do not. I don't care how new age you are. You are still a mortal being. Right. Fallible, make mistakes Mm -hmm. and are destined to physical disintegration. And the light that is the essence of you will transform into another form of light. E equals MC square. It's true. Before I let you go, I want to talk about light as a fifth dimensional force. Everybody's talking about the fifth dimension, how you need to be there now. You don't need the fourth, forget the third. So talk to us a little bit about that, because people are afraid, in a sense, to be here in reality while they are exploring. Well, let let me uh, approach it like I did in the text of the book, uh, Dark Light Consciousness. You cannot ignore the first, second, and third dimensions. Why? Because you are in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first dimension, second dimension, and third dimension are classically height, depth, and width, the three spatial dimensions. And those are the ones that we live in on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis. The fourth dimension is the dimension of time itself. You know, the calendar, the, the date, the, the flow of time, uh, history, family history, individual history, Whatever, that's Mm -hmm. the flow of time, it's the fourth dimension. And what Einstein's radical insight was at the beginning of the uh, 20th century was that space and time themselves are combined in a fourth dimension of 
what he referred to as space time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. space and time kind of rotate mathematically and otherwise within each other. And that's not just a mathematical idea. That is also your subjective experience. Yes, it is. Um, everybody listening to this within the last 24 hours, you were sleeping and you were dreaming. When you were dreaming, uh, perhaps not last night, but at some other time in the past, you've noticed that time can get switched around. Mm-hmm. And that things that happened a long time ago are happening now, or things that you fear in the future all of a sudden appear now. Time becomes very malleable hmm, with mm-hmm. space. Um, you also notice that you can do things when you are sleeping that you cannot do in the waking state. Namely, sometimes you can fly. Mm-hmm. You can defy gravity. Hmm? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and gravity is, is very intimately connected with time, at least that's in relativistic terms. Well, getting back to your question of um, light as a fifth dimension. Light is of, or, or expresses itself in space, the three dimensions of space and time, but it kind of peers through them. It flows through them, literally. Time okay. flows, I mean, uh, light flows through it. So uh, the light that we see and the light that we experience and the light that we are is vibrating in the dimensions of space, of the three dimensions of space and that of space time. So that's why I talk about light as a vibration of the fifth dimension. And in our deeper states and in, in, in corners of meditation and contemplation and, and prayer, whatever dimension, uh, you know that ultimately you are some form of light. You intuitively recognize that. And that work that is coming from, depending on your experience, from some other dimension. And for many people, that dimension is God. And in the Judeo-Christian tradition, uh, and that's not the only one, but this is where it's prominent. In the Judeo-Christian religion, we often understand ourselves to be uh, uh, spirits and souls who were cast out of paradise. Uh-huh. So you find this in the Hebrew Bible, the Christian form of it, you find it in Islam. But the idea is that you, we were once part of some vast paradise-like light, and then something happened. <laughs> something <laughs> happened. And we got kicked out. The bad angels, the fallen souls, whatever you want to call them, depending on uh-huh. your uh, uh, tradition. But that is a metaphor, a living metaphor, in a in a, in a, uh, a psycho spiritual dynamic of ourselves being a tiny light that is cast out of or not in connection with a much vaster all encompassing light and the nature of all of our lives and spiritual process is to get back to that light to get back okay. to rejoin that light yes and so uh, uh, that is what I meant by light is a vibration of the fifth dimension. Okay. I thought of one more question while you were talking and this is not in the book folks. And, you know, um, Dr. Bynum, if you don't want to, you know, address this, it's fine. But yesterday in Sacramento, California, um, there was a mass shooting where six people were killed, 12 or so injured after coming out of a nightclub. We talk about light and a lot of people equate light with goodness and sometimes the dark with not so good. How do these souls or beings or whatever who commits what we consider such a, a 
travesty. I mean, it's, it's horrible. How do we wrap our minds around these people as being light beings? Or are they? Um, well, that would take us far afield. But um, uh, I would only say this, that those questions arise uh, and logically arise from the perspective of having one life, one unique, special mm -hmm. life, and someone taking that for whatever reason, being an unspeakable uh, evil in crime. And it is. Make no mistake about it, it is. Seeing it on that plane. But if you step back and you see the soul has having many lives and many incarnations that it goes through, and that it, in each one, hopefully it learns something, then uh -huh. we see that all the evil that happens to us on the one hand and all the so-called good that happens to us on another is part of our spiritual journey. And sometimes it's evil. It's evil. Downright evil. Look what's happening to those poor folks in Ukraine. Ukraine, Russian yes. soldiers. Yes. I mean, they're just going in and they're just like shooting these people just like they did in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. Only this time, it's not some lone, uh, deranged individual. This is an organized, government-sponsored, well-thought-through expression of evil on Earth. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So, uh, uh, I don't know if one is necessarily better than the other. All I would say is your question is a is very, very good question. It's an agonizing question. and But it, it also arises from the belief that we have one unique life and is it in this body. And then when this body is gone, that's it. And I would suggest that maybe if we looked at it from a different point of view, we would still hold these individuals completely and absolutely responsible for what they mm -hmm. did. But we would also see that the journey of the soul is a long one. And sometimes it goes through some very mm, tight, uncomfortable quarters. And sometimes even those who, of us who think of ourselves as good people, it's mm -hmm. quite possible that in a past life, we were not always yeah. good. Exactly. Yeah. I always tell people, you know, the soul has many lessons and you can be Mother Teresa or you can slice and dice like Jeffrey Dahmer or anything in between. That's, that's and it's right. a soul's lesson, you know. It's a soul's something. lesson. As we evolve towards something that is just beyond our capacity to even conceive. But as we evolve toward that, we may have to go through a lot of rounds of weird stuff. Yeah. And not only that we agree on some level before we come into generally what we experience. And, you know, that was a lesson for the person who has been injured. But, you know, when you think of Ukraine, it's like, whoa, that's a whole lot of thinking. <laughs> you know, it's a whole lot of people who are um, taking a very, learning a very interesting lesson. I'll just put it that way. Learning um, a very painful lesson. Yes. Yeah, on the soul level. So what words of wisdom do you have for us before I let you go? And I really appreciated your time today. Well, I don't know if I have any words of wisdom. All I know is that I, like you, am a seeker, as are the other people, folks tuning in right now. And I just wanted to say that our seeking, our, 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 our yearning after insight and light and greater intelligence, and literally the, the divine expression in us that we intuitively feel, has a biological, medical neurological and scientifically clear basis mm -hmm. and that we you know we it's time to bring science and 
and spirituality back together again, like it was in days, thousands of days, and thousands of years in the past. There was no separation back then. And ever since the Renaissance, we've separated these two. So it's time to get over this bad divorce and move on. Mm, it most certainly is. Well, Dr. Bynum, thank you for your time uh, today. Again, folks, the book is Dark Light Consciousness, Melanin, Serpent Power, and the Luminous Matrix of Reality. This is a spiritual book I feel that everyone should read and have on their shelf because it delves deep into many different aspects. And it's not for you just to take his words, you know, verbatim. It's about you reading the words, letting it sit with you, and then uh, discovering how you feel about it. I think it affects people differently, but it ends up to be a very good effect. So Dr. Bynum, thank you. To the audience, thank you. I appreciate your time and attention. And please remember that the most important choice that you can make is what you choose to make important. Consider making the masterful choice of discovering dark light consciousness. Abundant blessings, light and love to all. Agape.